Hi there and welcome to Dennis Anyone. I am in the cozy living room of my guest today, Barbara Deutsch. That's right. You are a career coach. You are a performer. You are a, a Broadway alum. I am. And you've talked me off of many a ledge. <laughs> you've talked me off of many a ledge. You true. It's true. For a whole year. Yeah. But I'm 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 um You're so good and you're so cute. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. You are um I, you, we're in here in North Hollywood area, yeah. you know, which is becoming very hip now. I, it's because I'm hip. Yeah, that's I what it's all about. I always set a trend. You do. See, I knew 10 years ago this would be hip. Now, are you discovering that there are places that you used to go to in the neighborhood that, where parking was always a breeze and now it's not, it's like a little more like, wow, maybe we should not be hip after all. Well, I don't ever go out. There, that's good. I, I kind of stay in and have things brought to me. Right. That, that's the way I've created my business. You come to me. And you bring forth things. I showed up empty-handed <laughs> and I took a Snapple. Well, well, that's the way I grew up. Yeah. See, my house is the mommy house. Right. And anybody can walk in and do anything they want. Nice. They can take food. They can t There's nothing to steal. Right. You robbers leave me things. <laughs> I like, that's a good way to live though, right? Oh, Not yeah. too hung up on stuff. No, I want to be hung up. I, I really want stuff. I yeah. want to want stuff. Right. But I, I go to the movies instead. Right. If you, if, if, if money were no object, is there something you would love to collect or you would love to have or whatever that would be that splurgy thing? Well, yeah. If money, if money was no object, right. I would buy a brownstone in New York City in the theater district. And just like go to the three, theater every night? Yes. Well, no, I would buy my way into a show. <laughs> so you, you would be in a show. Oh, I would buy, I yeah. would buy a show and put myself in it. Yeah. But I'm talented. So. Right. So it's not a total bullets over Broadway situation. No. I love that. What kind of show would it be? Musical comedy? Probably a musical. Yeah. You know, comedy. Not a whole heck of a lot of dancing. In fact, <laughs> no dancing. Right. Moving. Swaying. I, would you I, sway? I like, I could sway. Yeah. I could, I could definitely. You could sway. definitely sway. You dance. Yeah. I mean, I have seen you, <laughs> hip hopping around. It's so weird because I will post a video of my hip hop class so fast, but a lot of things I'm like, you know what? I don't need. That's weird. I don't want to be too much or pushy or self-aggrandizing. No, if somebody has a video of that class, tag my ass because right. that needs to. Get, I want the world to know because because I'm not a spring chicken anymore, and you know whatever. But you are. Really super uber talented. Thank you. You can dance, you sing. I have, you know what? I played your CD the other day. Uh huh. I love your voice. Oh, thank you very much. It's That's very sweet. That's enough ass kissing. That's perfect. But see, I wanted to bring this up. I'm glad you brought that up, A, because it's nice, but also <laughs> you have this thing in your work called the competitive edge, which is yeah. you, you try to help your clients find that thing that they have that's special. And you've always said that yours is that you're a fan. Yeah. And since you said that, I've known you more, and and you always show up to things. You're supportive, and it's the real deal. It is not. I know. It, but I think it's beautiful. I, I can't help it. But it's great, and you always find the good in things. You're always and it's, it's obnoxious. But, Let me tell but you. But it's not phony. It's, it is. 
Listen, it is funny. I could have an orgasm over a Diet Coke if it's good. <laughs> You're I, talking to the choir on that one. Yeah. No, but see, I, I, I get, people make fun of me. They do make fun of me. Right. But they make fun of me for being enthusiastic. And right, I, but you have to be. I, I can't help it. I mean, I've had this horrible divorce. I've had, you know, shit happen. Right. And... I don't know. I wrote stories during my horrible divorce. Right. Like vignettes. And I don't even, I'm not even a writer. Right. I just thought maybe someday I would do a one-person show. Right. On my death and destruction of my freaking life. That could be your musical comedy on Broadway. Yeah, no. No? Not so much? (laughs) No. No, I don't think so. I mean, but I do love Broadway. But you are you are a fan, and, and like everyone that comes to your workshops and stuff, you believe in all of them. You're never like, oh, this one doesn't have a chance or whatever. It's uh, but wh- it's interesting. Where does it come from? That sort of because you know the business can be tough, and it's easy I, to get jaded. And how did you not get jaded? I don't know. I I don't know. Were That's... there times when you were when you were less like that, or like chapters? <sighs> Or were you always able to appreciate what was around you, regardless of what you were going through? I, I don't know how to say this, but I'm always up for anything. Yeah. You know, you called me a half hour ago. <laughs> and we're here. And said, do you have any time? And I said, how's one thirty? <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, because I like, I, here's the thing, I never... How do I want to say this? I never went to college. I just moseyed on through my life doing things because someone told me I wasn't smart, like in freshman year. Right. And so because they told me I wasn't smart, I just kind of was free enough to do anything I wanted and try anything because it didn't matter. Right. And so nothing's like a risk to me. I just do it if it doesn't work out. I don't know. It's my nature. And I love people. Yeah. It's, I love people. I love people no matter what. Right. I, I just think people are so interesting. Nuts, but interesting. Right. When did you realize that you had a knack for, for coaching people in, in the way that you do? That you, that you, can, that you have a perspective and, and you, you had a talent for that kind of thing? Um, I knew, I knew, well, I, I don't know. It's a really, it's always been there. It's like trying to describe when did you know you were talented? Yeah. When did you know you could write? Right. When did you know you could act? Right. I, I have an affinity for fixing. Right. And I'm an, an amazing listener Right. Because I really didn't talk much early on. Because they told me I wasn't smart, so I shut up. And I just listened. Was it a group of people that told you weren't, you weren't smart, or was it one idiot? It was the guidance counselor in my freshman year. He was also the gym teacher. Freshman year of high school. Yeah, and he probably got 50 bucks more, you know, a month. To <laughs> For shattering people's dreams. Re- to ruin my life. But he said, you know, your daughter's not college material, so she should be in a secretarial class. So they put me in the secretarial. It was the late 50s. Right. But 
But because I learned how to take shorthand, I don't even know if anyone even knows what that word is. Because I knew how to take shorthand, mm-hmm. my first job was at Columbia and Epic Records in New York City, and I worked for all the staff songwriters on the Epic label. So who were like the people that would come in and out of there? Sly and the Family Stone. Wow. Um, Streisand. Wow. Chicago. Laura Nero. Who was cool? Laura Nero. Yeah. If people if people know who who she is. Yeah, people have heard of her. <sighs> I mean, everybody was pretty cool. Although, my job was to book the studios for all the for all the acts, and uh, and I would go and sneak into the studios after work. So you would watch them record. I would watch them record. So once I walked into the recording, Chicago was recording. Right. And I walked in, you know, I said hi to the engineer. And all of a sudden, everything, everything stops. And I'm like, do, 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 do. <laughs> and Gersio, who was the, you know, the main guy. Of the, Chicago. Yeah, of Chicago. Lead singer? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. Or no. No, he was the producer. Yeah. He said to me, well, we're waiting till you leave. I uh, never went back to see Chicago, but, you know, I watched everybody. I watched everybody. Nice. Sly and the Family Stone, like, took their clothes off and recorded. And just people were, it was such a great time. Yeah. Did you feel like, now it's very much like record companies and publishers and stuff, everyone has to do everything on their own. Like, But at that time, it felt like there was some kind of farm team or like it felt like they put effort into developing people well you you could walk in off the street to my desk and say I want to I want to meet your boss I can sing and I would let you just sing for him and then you could get a record deal wow I mean I got a record deal I know tell us about that you ended up with a record deal <laughs> well a record a 45 yeah record with a hole in it exactly yeah uh I didn't know I was a singer because they told me I was a secretary. So I was standing right. one day when everybody was out to lunch. And it was payola days. So people were paying off radio stations right. at lunch. So I was standing on the coffee table in the in the lobby of the 13th floor at Black Rock. And I was singing to the secretaries. And the secretaries, everybody was, I don't know what I was singing. I think it was where the boys are. Right. Belting. Full voice. Full. And Clive Davis, who you must know. Yeah, of course. He's the Arista guy and Whitney and, yeah. He he was the president of Columbian Epic at that time. He walks off the elevator and I don't see him, but the girls run away. And I'm still singing, where the boys are, and you know, all that stuff. And he, he pulls on my skirt and he says... What's your name? And I looked down and it's Clive Davis. I said, Barbara Deutsch. He said, who's your boss? I said, Sandy Linzer. And so he walks into my boss's office. And, and you think you're in trouble. Totally. I think I'm getting fired. Right. I'm having a panic attack at my desk. And then I get the buzz. Bzzz, get in here. And it's the boss. So I walk in and he says, you can sing. I said, no. He said, Clive Davis was just here. And he said, 
uh, your secretary standing on the coffee table singing, you should either fire her or sign her. She's pretty good. And he, my boss had been looking for someone to cover Across the Universe, the Beatles song Across the Universe. Yeah. He'd been looking for someone for six months, someone with a young pop voice. Right. But I didn't know I was that person. Right. I was just a secretary who sings in the car. Yeah. So he says, sing this. And he plays on the piano a couple of chords. And I sing, words are flowing out like, like a real young voice. Right. And three weeks later, I was in the studio recording a, a record. It's amazing. I know. And then when did it come out? It came out like three months later. I mean, the boxes of records came to my desk and I opened the box and there it is across the universe sung by Barbara Love. Yeah, they didn't go for Deutsch. <laughs> they changed my name. Did they ask you about it? No. They just changed your name. They just changed my name. And what happened? So did the movie, did it go to radio? What happened? Yeah, it went on the radio. It sold a lot. That's amazing. It sold one in New Jersey, my mother. Yeah. But it sold out, you know, other places. But because I sang, as I was a secretary, I would sing demos for all the, the songwriters. That's cool. I would be in the studio, but it never crossed my mind I was a performer. That you could do that? No. Did you have a B-side on your 45? Yes, it's called Alice that my boss wrote. Nice. I know, it's really exciting. It's a lesbian love story about you and Alice? <sighs> Alice, where are you? Are you making love? I don't, you know what? Maybe it is. I think maybe it is a lesbian thing. <laughs> That's so cool. I know. So how did you end up performing in um, musicals? Because you were in Godspell. And... Well, again, because I'm an idiot. Right. And I don't think I can do anything. Right. Other than take shorthand and type. I'm really good, though. I bet. I'm really good. And I still take shorthand. I'm just saying. When do you take it? When you're on the phone with clients or something? When I'm on the phone or if I'm taking notes while I'm even working, while I'm leading a workshop. Yeah. I went and saw a show called Godspell. Yeah. And there was a guy playing Jesus that I fell in love with. And then there was this girl. Jesus is always hot. Oh, He's so, never not hot. They're so like... <laughs> Almost masculine, but yeah. you know they're masculine, but they're very light. It's just yeah. so appealing yeah. to a woman. Yes. And he's got teardrops on his eyes. Come on. I know. So then there was this girl who looked like me, sounded like me, and I knew I sang better. So I said to my boss, hey, how do you get in these things? How do you, how do you get from the audience to, how do you do that? He said, well, my friends are doing it at another label. So he says to me the next day, oh, I got you on this thing called callbacks <laughs> and I said oh okay he said go to the theater and sing that little song you like day by day right which was the hit song written by Stephen Schwartz and right Mike, John Michael that's Tablet. the big song that I know from that musical yeah. so I got there and it was the fourth callback for the first national touring company of Godspell and I saw all the actors and I'd never been around that before and it was the rock musical days I do have to put out this disclaimer you can't get jobs like this anymore you can't just be adorable sing your ass off and be kind of funny and then put you in a Broadway show that doesn't really happen right but it happened to me so I sang 
I went on the stage and I sang, um, I handed it to the keyboard player, the music, and I said, do you know this? And it was day by day and Stephen Schwartz is sitting there. You never sing a Singers who are listening know that when you audition, you never sing a song from the show. I don't know that. Right. So they, oh, everyone starts laughing at me, at me, which is kind of a theme in my life. Right. So I start singing day by day, and I felt this thing I'd never felt before, which is what I call the pilot light. Yes. Which is when I use in my work. It's what I use in my work. Um, it's a great metaphor. It's so resonant. It's, you know, it's the first time <gasps> something took my breath away Yeah. as a performer. Not, that there's a, this thing that you need to be doing. Yeah. A way you need to be expressing yourself that it, you are, you're not. It didn't happen in the studio, but right. on stage, when I was singing, <gasps> it would be like if you, you know, you're a writer, so when you wrote something as a child and you read it and people loved it, you <gasps> you got turned on. Whatever right. creativity turns you on, that's, that's the light by your heart that won't go out. Right. And that light has to get stoked or else it burns your insides out. So I yeah. don't really do it for a living anymore. Right. But... I will sing any when anyone asks me to sing something. I'll just rev it up and and I'll do that. But I got the job. Wow! And I and how big of an acting role is that? Because I know it's a it's rock huge. musical, but is it? But is there a lot of? I don't know the show very well. Is there a lot of like straight dramatic scenes or? Yeah. No. Okay. Um, but you're never off stage. Right. Ever. And right. You're, and you're it, creating a character and the whole thing. You're interacting. Yeah. The whole time for the whole time. Did you bang Jesus? I tried to. <laughs> Do you know what? I just want to say. <laughs> no, it was my first experience with gay guys that didn't look it. <laughs> so I did try. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, how can this be? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. We're practically making out and you love me. Yes. You really love me and we're the best of friends. Fuck me, please. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. But it actually... <laughs> but you know what? I actually, years later, I wore him out and, and we did it. <gasps> That's amazing! Well, it's not the first time. Yeah. I mean, I've tried with many other yes. gay men. That's so... Did it deliver... Was it like... Was it uh, spiritual? It was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Okay. But... But you still was like, yep, got it. Got it. Check. Check. Check off. How wild was being on the road in a musical like that at that time? Was it sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Was it, it you was know, it crazier or less crazy than one might look, think? Let's put it this way. I was a secretary who knew nothing about anything, seriously. Right. And then I get this show. And then we do a couple of nights on Broadway which was enough to, I was actually going to leave. I was at the stage door with Danny Lippman. Danny Lippman wrote Queer as Folk. Oh, right, 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 right? yeah. He was okay. a writer, but like he got this show just like the rest of us. Right. And the opening night for the first time we were ever doing it in front of everyone, it's called the Gypsy Run-Through. Right. He had me at the stage door. We hear our names. Where's Barbara and Danny? We're holding for Act One. Where's Barbara and Danny? And 
he's got me at the stage door and we're in our little outfits. I mean, our costumes. See? Right. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really in show business. <laughs> and he says, you know, if we left now, we'd be thrown out of Actors' Equity. I said, I haven't even... I've been in it like five seconds. <laughs> Should I get my purse? Right. We were insane. Right. And then uh, Judy... Which? No. A stage manager that became an agent, took, found us while she's calling the show, took us by the scruff of our necks and held us and threw us on stage. That's how I entered show business. Who was more scared, you or Dan? Like, who was, who was Danny, driving that? Danny was hysterical. And you, but you were, you were ready to go, but you were also with I could have gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I'll go anywhere. I'll right. do anything. Um, but then going on the road, I didn't know anything Seriously, I was 21 or two. I didn't know anything about drugs. I was a good girl. Right. Till show business. <laughs> that's the name of the, that's the title of this podcast. We've right? got it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found myself one evening. Listen to this. Um, I did Quaaludes. Poppers, pot, um, coke. In one night? In one, like one right after there were four of us. My girlfriend and her husband, yeah. ex-husband. Right. And me and... Right. Jesus. You and Jesus. Well, yeah. Jesus did all that stuff. And, but, you know, when we played, I remember that we played supermarket opening. I don't know why. What, I keep, what is that? I don't know. We it's cut a game. ribbons. We cut ribbons. <laughs> we were pretending. That's going to be a scene. That's got to be a scene from something. We feel but you know, when you're with Jesus, you feel like. You well, can do anything. You can do anything. It's all okay. Right. How yeah. do you, just crazy that, where were you doing Philly. all that? Philly. That was okay. Philly. Okay. We, we did the um, national tour, which was the creme de la creme right. tour. And I mean, my you make your best friends when you're on the road like that. You're all the same age. Right. And it's the most wonderful show. And I just came back from Vegas because my friend is in Vegas. My my girlfriend, who I roomed with, right. who um, was mad at me for being in the show because my name is Barbara and so is hers. And <sighs> so, but she got over it. She got over it. That's good. Yeah. But I loved... Love, love, love. I love anything. Right. And then I came off the road and I did a show called The Me Nobody Knows. Right. And I toured with that for a while. But we went to like Detroit and I'm this blonde little girl singing, hard to tell you how I feel. And I, they threw things at me, like tomatoes. They weren't having it. No. Why? The, because they didn't believe I suffered. Oh, interesting. I didn't. You, did, you didn't. No. Yeah. I didn't suffer. So when did you come to Hollywood? When did you settle out here? After that, I was in a rock musical uh, theatrical group called Busby and Berkeley. Right. You know Kate T. Oslin? Yeah. She, she, She's a country singer. Yeah. She was in the, in the group too. Right. And then we, we were managed by uh, a couple of people someone here and someone in New York and we did this huge show at 
um, Gower. Right. The studios at Gower here in town. Yeah. Okay. And we were supposed we were touted as the next something or other. Right. But we did everything wrong. This group did everything wrong. Right. Lauren Michaels came to see us. Right. To to make us be the regular group on Saturday Night Live. Right. We turned it down. <gasps> um. Yeah. So we 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 did every stupid thing. Right. I mean, I I just went along for the ride. We're doing right. it. We're not doing it. You know. I choose things now. Yeah. I choose my life, but I'm I'm so grateful for all these experiences. But throughout this whole thing, my compassion for everyone was I got more interested, right, in people, and I just kept going. Right, you know, it didn't matter to me if I was shooting a commercial or. I mean, throughout my career, I became a counselor for alcoholics and drug addicts. I became a child abuse prevention specialist. Right. I put, I worked at Kessler Institute where Christopher Reeves recovered. Right. Okay. And I learned how to put artificial limbs on people. I right. don't know. I could do that. Now, when you, when you were in places where show business was not going to be your living, you had to do something else to make money. Mm-hmm. Was that a bitter pill to swallow, or were you just like, "Oh, I think this is interesting too. It doesn't matter. It's not. It's not a blow to my identity," or was it kind of like, "This isn't what I'm," you know? How did you deal with those uh, sort of transitions? transitions? Yes. Well, let's see. I tried waiting tables; it didn't work. I didn't like taking orders. Yeah. I I just couldn't do it. Right. But I worked as a a casting director's... I ran commercial sessions for casting directors, so it was kind of like directing people. Right. Uh, And then, I don't know, I I got married and started a family, and that was so much fun, and I was still acting. Right. But it wasn't, you know, filling me up, so I started to do these other things. Right. In, like acting was an annoyance. Right. I would get an audition for a pilot and I would say, could you make it at four? They, <laughs> right? It's right. So hor- I'm a horrible client. <laughs> Ask anybody. Right. And then, you know, I got divorced and that that was bad. But, you know, I don't know. I still have. You seem to just enjoy stuff. I do. I can't help it. One of my last times, one of the last sessions I was in here, and it's been like my theme of the summer, is to enjoy your life. And if there's something you want, sometimes if you want to do something, that's enough of a reason. If you want to make a short film or if you want to do it, that's enough. You don't have to be strategize, strategize, strategize all the time. Plus a lot of that seems to be kind of out the window anyway. I don't, it's like the Wild West. Nobody knows what works anymore. No one knows what works. But, you know, at, my, at this point in my life, which is why I created this. Uh, I created this series. I don't know if you know about it. It's called Thrive. T H R. I got the email. It's coming yeah. up. It's kind of something new you're doing in your work. And yes, I want to talk about that. Yeah, I I want to work with people on whole life stuff, not just how do I talk to this person. Yeah, how do I call my agent? How yeah. do I fire my manager? Right. Whatever. So. I threw it together because I wanted to have a different conversation, and people are signing up that are directors and producers, and they own post-production facilities and actors. And so I wanted to do something 
I notice that people get stuck. The thing I'm going to say in this workshop is if you look at your life like it's a song, don't get stuck in the notes because we get stuck on things and we don't know how to, it's so tragic and it isn't. Right. We do have choices and I'm not a denier of anything. Right. No, I, you're a realist. I am a realist. I, I understand, but you know, you either want a great life or you want to be miserable. And if you want a great life and there are things that are going on that you can't find your way through, then you come to me. If you want to stay suffering, I'm not your person. Right. I'm, I'm just not. I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and, you know, she's, she said, I'm in crisis. This is terrible. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do about this. There's this guy that I've become friends with and we're acquaintances and he's 31 and I'm in my early 60s and I'm, I have feelings for him and we talk till all hours and we, I said, is he, um, is he coming on to you? Is it romantic? She goes, no, no, but I feel, what are you talking about? I mean, this 31 year old knows leave it to beaver. He's, we really connected and, and I'm devastated and I'm so sad. And I say, okay, shut up. Be grateful that you're feeling this. Like if you separate out, we know what's going to happen. He's not going to marry her. Right. We know that already. So you have a choice. Let me see. Let me just kind of float with this good feeling. Because that good feeling isn't just from him. You can have that feeling anywhere. Right. Right? Right. And to thrive is to feel a thrill. Mm. And she she didn't know she she was bypassing thrill to re disaster. Right. She was already going to the result. Yeah. I mean we know He's not going to marry her. Right. She's not going to have children. Right. She's not. She's not the bachelorette. No. <laughs> she's adorable. Right. But she's not. It's not. But they're there. They're having something. Enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. And he's, you know, but that's, that's the work that I like to do. Right. What do you love about actors in particular? Because you work a lot with actors. And what drives you crazy about them? Or is there a, is it, is it both all together? I love actors. I do. I, I love actors that really love to act. That's the difference. Right. I'm not so interested in actors that just want to be on TV. Right. I understand that. Uh, as long as you tell the truth about it. Right. Like an actor should tell me if they want to be famous or if they just want to act. Right. Right. And I know you have to support yourself. It's, it's very complicated to be an actor. Uh, but when I work with an actor, because it's the Wild West right now, an actor's DNA is like, even if you were born, if you're 22 years old, or if you're 62 years old, the actor's DNA says, train, learn your craft, and then you'll get an agent. And then your agent will send you out and work with you on building your career, that is in an actor's DNA. And it's really hard 
for me to get that concept out of someone's mind. Because it's not true. Totally not anymore. It was in my day. Right. Nobody needed help. You just got an agent because they would see your work. Right. And even if they didn't, they could believe your passion could get you stuff. Yeah. And is it because there's so many people now that want to do it, or are they, the people not as I doing their they're not as connected to it? It's more of just about numbers and money. Well, there's a, it's a lot. It's money. It's it's a lot of reasons. It's creative people. Um that used to hire people and work with people, they may not come from a background of acting or directing or writing. They may come from law. Yeah. And, um, and, and so it's oftentimes those people don't know what it took for an actor to walk in that room. The, The hours of preparation, the, the money spent, the stress, the, and have a life along mm-hmm. with and and then you walk in and you're supposed to be free yeah and malleable so my job is to get an act with all the circumstances to be free enough to not lose themselves right it's for anybody that i work with to be free enough to not lose yourself right my girlfriend i was having lunch with my girlfriend who own she's a writer director but also owns post production facilities and I got a text from a friend of mine who uh, had a pitch at Amblin with Spielberg's people. Right. She got her way. She got herself there with a producer. She'd never pitched before to anyone, but the story's good enough to perk up Amblin's interest. Right. And then they loved it, and they took it to Spielberg. And so I got the text when I was sitting with my friend, and the text said, they Spielberg isn't interested because it conflicts with the Borgias. It was Catholic stuff. Right. But it's the best pitch we ever heard. Wow. So I'm saying this to my girlfriend that I'm sitting with, and she goes, I want to meet that girl. And I say, why? And she says, I don't know. I can tell. She just wanted to meet someone who was risky and brave. Yeah. And these these people I'm talking about are not 20 or 30. Right. Right? That's the thing, because you think it's all over. You think it's, no. I'm in another dry spell, and I'm hoping to handle this one differently than the right. one that brought me to you. Yeah. But there, there are times where I'm like, I kind of go there a little. And then I, there's a, one of the reasons I like doing this podcast and talking to different people is I'm very curious about how people manage disappointment, because I think it's a fact of life. And I have developed this thing where I I just roll with, you roll with it so much and you embrace the other stuff that it starts to feel like a form of insanity or a delusion. And it sort of, it starts to not feel like um, human in a way. Well, but you, it feels like, it feels like it kind of works. And yet it, sometimes it's like, I should really be bummed about X, Y, or Z or whatever. But I, what and sometimes I kind of am, but not in a way that, I don't know. What, you just keep going. But I've worked with you for so long, and I know you do something really smart. Whenever you're feeling disconnected or the feeling that you had, like it's just rolling off and maybe you shouldn't, right? is when you call me and say, I think I want to come in. Right. And then you tell me what's going on, 
and I'll say, you know what? Totally go with the flow here. Or I will say, buck up, kiddo. Yeah. Have straighter conversations with people. Ask directly. Well, it's funny. I took a... And you talk a lot in your the book. We... Um, you wrote a book called Open Up or Shut Up. Yes. How to Talk Your Way Into or Out of Anything, and I helped you edit it during Help that. Help me. You, yeah. It was the best part of my book issue. Thing. I would come over and we'd work on it, and I'm really proud that you wrote it, and that, that you know, it kind of got me through a tough time, and yeah. I would come here kind of... Um, Crying. Well... <laughs> And then and then we'd end up laughing, but it was a whole thing. Yeah. It was and and it would. But one of the things you talk about is like, and as I hear this sometimes in my head is like taking a stand for yourself. Uh-huh. And it's very easy, I think, for a lot of people to, especially in the business, and you don't want to think. And and I, I was like, last week I got a letter from the Writers Guild, and you know I went on the strike and yes, the whole thing. Yes. Yes. And because I hadn't worked for a guild show for like three years or whatever. I was, my membership was going to change status to, mm-hmm. to not being current, to being post-current or something called emeritus. And emeritus is kind of like you're not even in there. Mm-hmm. Post-current, you pay a, a fee. That, a something. Yeah, and you still get to go to the screenings and all that stuff. And it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But after what I'd been through with them, I just felt like this is such a bummer. Yeah. And I thought, it feels crappy to reach out and to my, because con- it's two different departments. The department that organized the strike, is, you know, I, I don't... Res- resent getting the email. I was on the list and whatever. But I was like, do I, it feels crappy to get downgraded mm-hmm. and it feels crappy to reach out because it feels pathetic or something. But I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to reach out to them and say, look, I got this thing. It feels like a bit of a bummer after what we've been through together. Is there, and they're, she's going to try to, she's like, no, that's not right. We will see. I, I don't know what the result of that is yet, yeah. but I almost didn't send it because why? Because I, I don't like to. I don't like special rules for uh-huh. me, and also what? I'm, I also was a little embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, and I and it's the it was the right thing to do. It was like taking. You know what? I I got this coming. I have this coming. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but I, it was like I was like Barbara would have me send that email. You can't lose anything. Right. The reason that people don't speak up or ask or send emails or right like that is because they're afraid of what people will think of them. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of an outcome. But you you really do things from... I don't know, Dennis. You're, you've, you're careful, and then you've become riskier. Yes. And it's much better for you, because... <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, okay, you do this thing every year at the end of the year where it's like completion. a completion workshop. One year I was in tears in the chair. It was so embarrassing. I don't, I was just over, I was just so moved by, I'd been, had a rough time, but everyone's stories, whatever, I was vulnerable. And you, every time it comes up, you laugh about how much I cried. But then there was one I'm year. Really, I really have heart. And part of the completion thing is you work with the other people in the room and you come up with like a theme for the new year and try to get uh-huh. your mind in the right place. And one year I decided my theme was I'm the guy, right? That's right. And then I remember at one point you're like, later in the year you're like, I don't think you're really owning that thing. And then I went on strike and I came in here and I'm like, am I owning it now? <laughs> <laughs> it, that was crazy too. That but time. I'm the guy. You're forgetting something. What? You... 
you got to be the guy on a show. Yeah. You didn't like it much, but you got to be the showrunner. Oh, of um, the other show. Yeah. yeah. So a you breakdown. Were, it was yeah. challenging. It was challenging. But it was... Um, you got I, to be the guy. I was. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't ever think about that. I didn't... I know. Yeah. Because you, that's a big part of <laughs> what made you more miserable. Yeah. That's true. What, um, what's the best part about your job? What do you like about... Oh, I know exactly how to answer that. Okay. It's when I'm talking to someone and I'm a real, I'm, I'm trying to make a point. Right. And I will keep talking until I see something happen in the other person where they really, where they, it hits them like right. in their gut. Trying to understand. So I love that moment when I can actually see it. You know, sometimes you don't see it. Right. But I love the moment when someone says, oh, that's what it means. Yeah. That's why I'm not doing that. Yeah. That's, see, I don't work with people from their past. I, I don't really care what happened when you were 10. Yeah. You were locked in the closet. I, I care, but I just care that because of something... You are afraid, right? Or you're too aggressive, or whatever it is, I can work with it, right? But I'm not going to go back in time. I'm not a therapist, I'm very clear about that, right? It's interesting because a lot of times someone that you work with will get a big job or whatever, and that must feel like a victory. But what you're talking about really appreciating is just them getting understanding something that can work with them whether they get the job or they don't get the job. Someone I was working with uh, has gotten a lot of results. Right. And there's this one piece that I wasn't not, I, I know she wasn't hearing me. Right. About what, this one piece. And so I stopped working with her. And we had a conversation. And... I said, I'm not making a difference, but look, I got this and I got that and I got this. And I mean, it took such a short time for me to get this stuff. I said, I know, and I'm very pleased about that. But I, it's who you're being while this stuff is happening that's not working. And eventually, it's going to crash because you, you don't get your arrogance and you don't, you don't, you think you're um, you're serving, but you're being selfish. Mm-hmm. And there's that it's that little piece in this person that I knew that if I just said, "Listen, I'm so thrilled with what we've done," but I can't. I'm I'm not making a difference right here. Mm-hmm. So go figure it out somewhere else. How did that go over? I did it so much better than this. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, you're the you're what great. You're great at like finding the way to say things, and you can say yeah. the difficult things, and you can also be blunt. Like if somebody's got something, sometimes you'll just say, "Cut it out, cut it out." Yeah, I will say, "Cut it out." Yeah. Someone yesterday, someone in my workshop, uh, I said, "We're going to talk about superstitions today," and someone who someone was cranky, and they said. We did this two weeks ago. I said, well, we're going to do it again. Yeah. 
But that that's okay. I'm really just working on who someone is being. Right. I mean, people come to me for career transitions and just to get out of their own way. And, right. But I, I do know that because it's so crazy out there in this town, yeah, that you can't afford to lose yourself and you can't afford to lose your vision right now because you're on your own. Yeah. No matter who you think is helping you, you have to take care of yourself. And and a stand you you mentioned before, right? A stand. That that's um, a a stand is is a commitment with no evidence that you can't do anything but stand for yourself. Right. People wait for evidence to do something. People wait, they wait, they wait, they wait, and there are other people much less talented who are not waiting. Right. So, you know, I always, I believe that talent wins out, but not always. Right. It used to be stronger. That's why when I do In the Biz, in, um, I do this one, I'm going to do it one day in August, August 10th, In the Biz. And I bring in people who are not jaded and not fascinated. And uh, I think I have uh, Bethany Rooney, the director. Right. And Bill Zwerdling, who's an agent, a really good agent. And Don Scardino. He directed 30 Rock. Oh, yeah. And Burt Wonderstone. Love it. And I'm trading emails with Mark Canton. Nice. He's a producer. Um and I, I love interviewing those people. And you were on my panel. I was. And that was so great. You were the favorite. You were one of the big favorites. That's nice to hear. Yeah, because you tell the truth. You tell the truth about the trajectory of a career. And, you know, it's never over for you. Even though sometimes... Like you know, this morning. Like this morning. <laughs> It feels like, what is the point? Uh, nothing. Maybe I yeah. should move. Yeah. Moving is always the option. Yeah, but I don't know what the other plan is. I don't know what the plan B is. It's I'm not being... Um, uh, I just don't know what, what it is. You know, there are people that say you should have a plan B, and then people there are people that say you should never have a plan B. Right. What I have to say about that is I don't freaking know. Yeah. But... <laughs> If you just do and keep doing and stay with what you love to do and be inclusive, because you're, you're, you described me earlier right. that I go, 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 and I yeah. see everything. And that's you, Dennis. You're really kind and inclusive. And I, I think that if, when we keep doing that, it makes things so much. You get out of your head. Yes, when you go. I you get out of your freaking head. I love to go see friends shows because it feels like I'm doing something proactive for my creative life and my yeah. career. But it, but I, but I'm not on. I don't have to. I, I know. I love it. I find it. I. I don't know why. More and more, I just like to go and be there. Yeah. It feels like because there aren't enough victories to go around. So if somebody in your circle has one. That'll buy you a week of, like, good news or something. I'm going to something tomorrow night. Want to go? It's spoken word. 
It's a, it's I hate a, that shit. I love I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I was just trying to be funny. Do you know Rant and Rave is, I went there, it's so good. What is it? Rant and Rave? Is it like spoken word? Yes, yeah, broken. Spoken word? It's like spoken word. Rant and Rave is produced by, um, okay, I forgot. That's all right. Where's it at? Rogue Theater. Okay. And it's so great. Okay, I'm not talking anymore. Okay. It's going to occur like I'm 100 years old yeah. right now. But one of my clients was in a class and um, to, to prepare to write for these things. Right. And she has a, it's just a class. She's reading tomorrow night and I'm going to go because I think it's so great to support people. Yeah. What's an hour and a half out of your life? I actually like it. I find it, I, it's never, it's gotten less of a hassle. I feel like, I, I don't know why. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Me too. And of course you hope it's good and you hope they're great. And even, But even if it's, I just, it feels like I'm really happy there. Me in too. In a way. What should we talk about now? Well, here's what I want to ask you. Um, what was I going to say? So what, how do people find out about your work? The, the, the website's the best place? Yeah. Okay. They can... Which is BD Approach. BD Approach. As in Barbara Deutsch dot Approach. Com. Dot com. Or email me, Barbara at bdapproach.com. And I remember I was turned on to you by Don Cummings, who is a writer. <sighs> and I was in New York and I was finishing up a job and I didn't know what was next. I really had nothing going on. And he was like, call her, I, you know, whatever. And I did. And you answer the phone yourself. I do. It's very old school. I like it. I do. And, and then I, we started working together. And what I like about... What I, you have great insights, you're funny, you're honest and stuff, but it's good to have a place to go and reckon with that stuff because your yeah. friends don't always want to hear about your career and your creative, it's just a place to go and that's what it's all yeah. about. And it's not just you, it's other people. And Yeah, but also I don't, when I work with people, I, I don't let people go on and on with their little tale. Yeah. You shut it down. You I shut do. that shit down. And yeah. it's very interesting I'm sleeping. No, I, I just want to cut to the chase here yeah. and make people feel like they're completely understood no matter what and not judged. Right. And let me fix it. Right. And I don't let people coach each other. This is not holding hands, singing Kumbaya. Yeah. When someone raises their hand, can I tell that other? No. Yeah. Because I know when someone's heard enough. Yeah. And I, I think people feel need to feel safe. This Thrive workshop that yes. starts July 9th. Is there still spaces in it? Yeah. Okay. It's the second Wednesday uh, for five months. Okay. And it's not a networking group. And I'm not giving people everybody's emails. Right. And it's, it's very powerful. The people that have signed up really just want to, they like you just said, they want to go somewhere where they get stimulated, right? And where they can think, because these are these are people who really want something, right? And they're doing great, but there's there's always that something that they can't get to because yeah. of these reasons, and that's what we're going to explore. Nice in that. Right? That's cool. Yeah. 
I like it. It's a good word, thrive. Yeah, it is. It's a good word. And I like the color of the word thrive that I made. It's like turquoise-ish blue. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting into graphic design and all that stuff? I might even have pens for people. Wow. Pens. That's amazing. I know. That's very good. And notepads. That's nice. I know. I'm a product now. Right. Um, Often I think about, these are things that I think about from your work that I think about a lot. Is when you talk about how people occur, Mm -hmm. because sometimes you don't quite know how you come off to people. It's, you know, like... There's this exercise that I do where I put someone... It's for people who don't really know each other. Yeah. I put someone in front of the room and I say, this person uh, walks in the room. What do we know about this person? And then the audience has to say... They're neat, they're tidy. They're they're... responsible, adorable, um, you know, scattered. Uh, But people don't... They don't really say scattered. They usually say good things. Right. And that's what people don't know. When you first walk in a room, if you're in your body and you're not screwed up and you're ready, people only think good things. Right. So people work extra hard when they walk in a room. Right. And they don't have to. I love that exercise, how you occur. Yeah. You also talk about like people feeling like they need to be interesting to other people. And so, and your tip for that is really good, I think. Be interested. Yeah. And you know what? Jane Fonda was getting this award at AFI. I love I, her. Did you see the... Was it AFI? It hasn't aired yet. No. Was it AFI? I don't know if it was AFI. She just got an AFI award. They've taped it, but I don't think it's aired. I did see it. Mm. The, the last thing she said was, in all my years of show business... Only one person has ever asked me, how do I do this? How do I... The the only person that was curious about show business and Jane Fonda and how she does her craft, she said, is Meryl Streep. The only person that ever asked her anything was Meryl Streep. And the last thing Jane Fonda said was, you've got to be interested instead of trying to be interesting. Yeah. That I swear you can see it. It's the last thing she says when she accepts her award. I'm really a big fan of her. She's on my desktop, as you can see on my computer, with Harvey Milk. and Because I feel like she's somebody that got, got more open as they got older, instead of shutting down. Got more expansive. I remember being in New York when she was on Broadway, and she was doing like that crazy... Um, uh, Easter bonnet competition and she did a parody of the Jane Fonda workout but she was just like part oh, of the yeah. ensemble and part of the experience and she was blogging about every night and greeting the fans and she was very accessible it felt like and having yeah. fun and I, it felt, I felt like she made a choice to be that way it wasn't just her natural I think she thing. said when she met Ted Turner that she started to have fun yeah I don't know but she looked gorgeous. Yeah. And she's she's fantastic. Yeah. But I love that that I know that I can describe what you're actually talking about. That's so interesting that Meryl Streep was the one because you think of her as like it having was, all the answers. But it was and, yeah, it was many it was sure. like Meryl's second yeah. film and she was working with Jane Fonda and Jane Fonda was this icon and Meryl was new. Right. And 
she was bold enough to ask Jane Fonda questions. And I, and I hope Jane was, at the time, as open as she was now. You know what I mean? Because that could have backfired, you know. Yeah, but you know what? She said, and she said that Meryl, Meryl said when she went, got up, she said, and that, and that is something that I've done my whole career. I pay it forward that way. Yeah. And then the people that I'm helping who ask, they pay it forward. And that's what, they, one of them said, that's what we all should be doing with right. each other. I love that. Is sharing. Is there some advice that you've gotten in the past that's something that stayed with you? Like a thing that you think about or, you know, like sometimes those little truisms or whatever. Is there something, because you give, you give a lot of advice and help a lot of people. I do. Is there something that you think about? Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's advice. Right. It's what I do when I get scared. Right. When I'm afraid to take an action or when things are going to fall apart. I actually do this corny thing. I put my hand by my heart and I say, I'm a good person. If that's all I have, I'm a good person. That almost makes me want to cry. But I'm not in the... That's the crying chair, so I'm fine over that here. That is the crying... You, you know what? I could see the almost crying. Yeah. Though. No, it's beautiful. No, I'm a good person. Like, I was afraid to email, I don't know, this director the other day. Because I was... Who am I? And why would this person say yes to me? And, and you know, pushing send sometimes is yeah. really... Tricky. I did it yesterday. Pushing send is hard. Yeah. But then I said, oh, come on, I'm a good person. What, Whatever happens, I will not die. Yeah. And, you know, people say that, oh, you're not going to die if you do that. But really, it feels like you're going to die. Sometimes. And so you got to say, I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to die. Right. But if you, the worst is not doing something. Yeah. That That's failure is not when you try something and it doesn't work. Yeah. Failure is if you don't try. Yeah. I, um, we've been writing a pilot of my book, Misadventures in the Two yes. on Three. And I needed one of the characters to say something to another character about success and failure. Because these are themes that are in the book, but they're also themes that are way more resonant to me at this point in my life. So I Googled quotes about failure, quotes about success. And the first thing that came up was this quote from Winston Churchill that I put it right in the pilot, which is, um, I don't know, you've probably heard it, which is um, failure, no, oh, I'm sorry. Success is stumbling from failure to failure with no lack of enthusiasm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Well, it's the, we started this conversation with yeah. unbridled enthusiasm. <laughs> Ad nauseum. Yeah. <laughs> But I curse, so it helps people. Yes, you do. And you, you, you have a good sense of humor. Do you find that that is a real... It's, it's, it's the first thing that goes when people are fucked up. It's the first thing that goes. That they lose. They lose. Don't you find that sometimes that's the thing that can save you, though? If you can find the humor in it? Yeah. 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 And, the, and on the flip side, it's if you, only, if you always lead with humor... That's that's a trick. But you have to have a sense that this business 
whatever business you're in, it's all a joke because the only thing that really matters is your health and the people in your life. Mm -hmm. That's really the yeah. only thing that really matters. And business is, is a way to provide a gift that you have. Right. A talent. So you're not going to die yeah. from that. Even though sometimes it feels like it. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. It totally feels like it. Yeah, my big, the, the thing I, I was just traveling and the thing that I sort of thought about when I was on the road was I used to think that the quality of your life was determined by what happened to you, good things or bad things. And I don't think that anymore. I think it's just about who you are, what you're, who you're being, who yeah. you're, what you're offering or whatever sure. through all of it. But make no mistake, I want stuff. Yeah. I, I want, I want big stuff. Yeah. You know, I used to think it was, I used to think that there's, there, if you look at a circle and draw a circle in the middle, right? the outside circle is secondary success, right? and the inside circle is primary success. Right. So primary success is the inside job, it's the goodness, it's the, it's the creativity, it's the art. Yeah. Secondary success is the cars, the money, the jobs, the right. fast moving, and and I used to think, well, I'm primary, right? But I wouldn't have a house. I want stuff. Yeah. Right. Right, and I and I also think that 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 thing of like, well, I've got my integrity. I'm okay. Yeah. It's something right. we tell ourselves to help justify the fact that you know, we don't have the house with the pool or whatever it is. Right. But um, what was it like when you, you started out and then as you were proceeding through your career, you probably had friends get super famous. Yeah. And, and, and friends that didn't and, you know, how, that's a mind trip in itself. Yeah. It can be. Well, I was married to an actor um, whose friends, who was friends with Travolta. Yeah. They were both in Greece together. Right. And that that trajectory from being in Greece to Welcome Back Cotter to Saturday night to in in like Uber. a in like four months. Like it all yeah. just like happened I mean, so quick. We all there was a group of us, Mary Lou Henner, yeah. she got taxi and my husband got another series and John took off. It's like we were in it while it while it happened and I don't know I I never take anything look I'm not jaded right I tell my clients listen when you drive past Universal if you don't get a thrill or Paramount you're lying right and lying about how you feel about those things is gonna make you miserable to work with right it's interesting. It is. Like, it's where you want to be. Yeah. So it's not casual. Nothing's... And don't, so pretending that you don't is no. not good. No. Yeah. We've cut, we've touched a lot of bases. We've you covered think? a lot of stuff. You said fuck. I almost cried. <laughs> um, let's look at a couple of the questions from the observation deck and see if anything is ha fun. Have we been doing this for like two hours? I don't know. We'll wrap it up with one of these questions. What's this one? Oh, what's the most unprofessional behavior you've ever witnessed? Well, it, it's mine. Your own behavior? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I, 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 All the time or just in one specific? No, I had one incident. Okay. I like, I, I don't know if I know this story. It was an audition story. Okay. Um, gee, I hope no one listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're safe. Hope to uh, he. Hope. <laughs> okay. So long-term uh, listeners of the Comedy Couch podcast will know about Hope to he, and Barbara is obsessed with Hope to he. I love Hope to he. <laughs> Hope to he was a text I got from this guy that fucked me over, and he was trying to reach out and get, you know, have another chance. But, and I think he was trying to write hope to hear from you, but he couldn't even, <laughs> he didn't even have that much commitment. So the text said hope to he, and I would just show it to her on the phone and we would laugh and laugh and laugh. I'm still laughing. It's yeah. So, it's so bad. Okay. Well, what am We're I We're talking doing? about the audition story. Oh, well, I'm going to, if you're an actor listening to this, you're going to feel much better because I have the worst story. Okay. And this was in the late 70s. I get a call from my agent, says, Al Honorado, the casting director, wants to see you for a variety show. I go, okay. And you have to work on three characters. Um, one, no one can remember. Two, a southern character. And three, Ava Braun on the witness stand. <laughs> now, I don't have characters. What you see is what you get. What you hear is what you get. Yeah. However, because of my non-commitment to rehearse or do anything <laughs> really deeply invested in acting, right. I go to the audition unprepared because I'm pretty sure it's just the casting director. Right. And the agent said, listen, it's written by Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner's going to direct this thing. Right. And the writers are Billy Crystal and... Um, Michael McKeon and Christopher Guest and uh, Harry Shearer. Right. So I just go to to the first call, and they're all the Groundlings girls and the Second City girls are there and me and I know them all and it's it's in that day. Yeah. The half hour comedy girls. Yeah. So he calls me in, and there are. They're all there. Rob Reiner, Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, and Harry Shearer. Wow. This is before Spinal Tap. Right. And I, fr I freeze. And Al says, are you, are you ready with the first one? And instead of saying, I've made a grievous <laughs> error... I go, yes. <laughs> and it's not just one thing you got to pull out of your ass. You have to pull three things out of your ass. And one of them's Ava Braun. No. <laughs> no. People are going to stop listening when, when I get to that part. So I do the first one and de dead silence. And Al doesn't, we don't remember what this was. The second one was uh, the Southern. Now, my Southern sounds like, I don't know nothing about birth and babies. That's about as Southern as I can get. Right. And so that did not go over. No. And so, and I'm watching them. And it's scripted. Like, there's dialogue. No, there's no script. So you have to say I'm, something. I'm making something up. <laughs> <laughs> With accents. Right. That I cannot do. <laughs> And it's, I feel like I've been in there in an hour, and I feel like I have 104 fever, like yeah. I'm getting the flu. And then, so my mind is racing, right. but not racing enough for me to leave. 
Racing. You're in it. You're gonna. I'm, you're in it I'm to going win it. Down. I'm going down. And then, and then I'm thinking, okay, Ava Braun, Ava Braun on the witness stand. I know. I have an idea. I'll start screaming and and wailing, Hitler, Hitler, and then faint on the floor. So I go like this, Hitler, Hitler. And I'm waving my arms and I pass out on the floor with my face on the rug. And again, no no sound from anyone. And I think maybe it'll be funny if I stay on the floor. And so I stay there and then I hear Christopher Guest, who's got the least patience of anybody. Yeah. I hear him say to Billy, what is she doing? And Billy says to Rob, Rob, what is, she, what is she doing? Rob says to the casting director, Al, what is she doing? And Al says, I've never seen this before. So Rob, and you're hearing all of this. Oh, yeah. I am completely out of my mind, out of my body, want to cry, and I think they should leave. Like, why aren't they just leaving the room? <laughs> yeah, why do I have to... Why do I have to do everything? Yeah. So Rob says, I'll find out. And he walks over to me and kind of, with his foot, he kind of taps my arm. Oh. And he says, Barbara, are you all right? And I pick my head up and I say, oh, yes, yes. And I get my little purse and I walk out. And I get into my car and I know show business is over for me. <laughs> I, and it's okay because it's Friday. Yeah. And the next day I'm going to be on the field while my husband is going to play a game of baseball right. on his team. And so I know, well, I'm not going to be in show business. I'm not going to tell him. He won't notice anyway. Right. And so I go to the market and I make the most impressive dinner because I couldn't cook. Right. Because I can do that. I right. can't do anything else but that. Right. And then we get to the... Food. You're going to be good at other things. I'll if be you... good at other things. Yeah. I can cook. I loved the market. It yeah. was so great. The oranges and right. food. The next day we go to the field and my my husband's team comes out and, and then they introduce, ladies and gentlemen, now we welcome the next team, the Coney Island Whitefish. And I'm sitting on the stands and one by one they start running in front of me. Rob Reiner, Billy Crystal, Michael McKeon, and Christopher Guest spots me. And he goes, there's that girl. There's that girl. And I, I froze again. Like the nightmare just... Wouldn't kept, end. Wouldn't end. But here's the thing. So I, I went home. But Monday, I get a phone call from my agent. And he says, I have an appointment for you for blah, blah, blah. I went, Really? Was there, you didn't hear, oh, yeah, I, I heard from Al. He said, you know, Barbara wasn't on her game that day. Now, I tell this story because it's humiliating and funny, but there's always a, a point to every story that I right. tell, which is I thought I was quitting show business. You thought it was the end of the world. The end of the world. And it was just, a, you know, he looked at it like 
she was on her game. You, it was a little far. You didn't it, shit it your pants. It was a little... I don't say those things. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a metaphor. That was for, terrible. That was pretty gross. I really... We should start over. Okay. Let's start over. Okay. Once upon a time. <laughs> no. So, but what did your... Did your husband ever know about the audition or the... Did they I never told him. Do you think they did on the team? No. 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 Yeah. They... they no. Right. They didn't even know I was his wife. Right. They didn't. I, oh, by the way, I left. Yeah. That I went you got, home. You, you went I, back to the market. I'm just going to go back to the market. I said to my husband, I'm not feeling well. Yeah. Right? And I went home. But all of that, that whole story is the most unprofessional. Like, you're not prepared. You don't. Who does that? <laughs> who, who does that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't never do that again yeah. but it wasn't the end of the world you thought yeah. it wasn't it wasn't yeah i thought it was i thought it was the end of me yeah right that i would be embarrassed and humiliated for the rest of my life and you know years after i would be places and i would see rob reiner or i would see, and i would hide like i'm that important right you're not that important right right that's the good news and the bad news. That's the good news and the bad news. Yeah. You're not that important. You're not that important. Except everyone who's listening, you're important. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. So spur of the moment. I feel like there's another book in everything we just talked about. <laughs> Would you ever write another one? Hell no. Yeah. It was, it was I hot. hate writing. Yeah. Uh, but... I would write it if you wrote it. Yeah. If I, I would write it. <laughs> well, you guys should check out Barbara's book. It's called Open Up or, or Shut, Shut up. up. How to Talk to Your Way Into or Out of Anything. Just I remember coming them. up with that, sub that subtitle with you. I know. We honed it. We did it. And everything I've written in this book is mine, except for one joke that you wrote. I don't remember it. Um, something in a... Not like Kathy Bates in a misery kind of way. Oh, yeah. I'm a fan. Not in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, good. All right. Because you talked about being a big fan of everything, which yeah. is our full circle moment. We started off talking about I, that. I know. Check out Barbara's website, um, bdapproach.com. .com. Uh, maybe you want to sign up for her Thrive Workshop. I'm going to be looking into that. I'm going to see. That sounds cool. You think? Yeah. It's good. But and you're, you're doing something on the 9th. I'm doing something on the 9th. I have my cast and crew screening for my short film. But I can, you know, I can we'll, give you a private. All right. We'll figure out some, some okay. way to make it up. All right. Thank you so much. It's You're oh a goodness. gift in my life. You're a delight. So much fun. Um, check out my, uh, like Dennis Anyone on Facebook. And um, if you want to email me, the address is Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Bye, Barbara.